All right, go ahead and open up your Bible uh, to Ezekiel. Ezekiel, middle-ish. What is that? Middle, but a little bit to the right. Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, this morning. Uh, we started a series a couple of weeks ago called Spirit of Jesus. And uh, last week, we took a break from our new series, but we're jumping back in this morning. Are you excited for part two? Good, because that's the best title I could come up with. So you can put it in your notes. Part two, Spirit of Jesus. And we are doing this series because as we are getting close to the end of 2018, or it's not the end yet, but it's, we're getting there, we started our year off by asking God, Lord, what, what is it that you would speak over our year as a church, the year 2018, uh, so that we can just do whatever specifically you're calling us to this year. And we felt really clearly that the Lord gave us this phrase, Jesus people. That obviously, I mean, it sounds like a no-brainer in church, but what would it look like to take a year and just believe that all-out obsession with Jesus is enough, that Jesus himself really is enough? And what if we were known, not as a church by different stances or even individuals by our preferences or political opinions, or what if we were a people that when people saw us and, or our neighbors or that they thought about Antioch Church, that they would think, aren't those those Jesus people? And uh, I'm encouraged by some testimonies we've heard over the last year. But if we want to be Jesus people, we need the spirit of Jesus inside of us. And so we started our uh, series off a couple of weeks ago, kind of trying to lay, lay the framework for us of the question, who is the Holy Spirit? And uh, we just kind of talked about how the Holy Spirit, he is not this theological concept or a denominational preference. He's not just goosebumps during worship. The Holy Spirit, he is God. He is God and he is near and uh, he wants to fill you with himself so that you can follow him and know him. And that's encouraging. And I hope that that little bit maybe whets your appetite if you missed it, to go back and listen again and hear about who is the Holy Spirit. I believe that God wants to use this little series that we're doing. It's only going to uh, be three parts in total. Uh, but I believe that God wants to use this series not to explain everything and answer every question that any of us could possibly ask about the Holy Spirit. And that's a good reminder for me, even as I've been uh, trying to prepare for these messages. I feel like I've, I've found myself in the mode of like, okay, we got to cover everything. And then I think, well, that's dumb. Like, we're going to cover all the things about God in 40 minutes. Not going to happen, you know? <laughs> Which, that's a good thing, by the way, you know? So, so my hope is not to, like, answer every question that you could possibly have about the Holy Spirit. Uh, we've got eternity to dig into who he is, which I'm thankful for that. But what I do want to do in these times together is I want to go right after your hunger. I want to stir you up. And uh, I want God to stir me up through his word, through uh, the time and worship together, through something that I may say. I pray that the Holy Spirit would just prick your heart. And kind of the, the prayer I was praying this week, I said, God, let us help, us help us hear something we can't unhear about who you are. And it just sticks with us until we have to engage it. And we have to say, okay, okay, I'll respond. I'll respond to that. What is that? So I want us to be a people who know the Holy Spirit. I want to know him, and that's what we're going after. So I'm going right after your appetite this morning, trying to stir you up. Spirit of Jesus, part two. Ezekiel 37, are you there? Is your neighbor there? Okay. Should I call people out who I can see are not there? No. <laughs> We are going to read a passage uh, of Scripture this morning, a few verses, and uh, it's, it's a weird passage of Scripture. 
just to let you know. It's, it's a little weird. Um, if you've been in church, maybe you've heard it. Maybe you're familiar with this passage. Uh, maybe you're not. Either way, it's okay. Um, but I, I said this a couple of weeks ago during our first, first part of our series is that the Holy Spirit himself, he, he has this reputation kind of in church and outside of church of like being, being weird, being like the weird one the, where, where weird things happen and people do weird things in the name of the Holy Spirit and, and some of those things are just weird and sometimes people are just weird and sometimes people hurt you because people hurt you, not because God did it, right? Or people do something strange because you're like, wow, that, I don't know if that was God that was strange or just you that was strange. That was a little weird, right? So the Holy Spirit has this reputation of being weird and, and so sometimes us people can make him weird but at the same time, I think it's fair to recognize that like, the Holy Spirit is kind of weird in the sense that like we'll never fully understand him, you know? And, and so as we talk about the Holy Spirit, I, I'm thankful that there's like weird stuff in the Bible. And, and I'm not one of those guys that's like, no, no, no. Like if you just come to God, like everything's gonna make sense and be perfect. And like the Bible is just gonna make great sense to you and nothing weird's gonna happen. Like weird stuff's gonna happen, you know? Cause like God's really big and we're really small. And so those things collide and we're the ones that give, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was so thankful for that. I had a friend tell me that in college. We, 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 us and some friends, we, we, were, we were just starting to learn the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the Holy Spirit was doing weird stuff. And sometimes we'd be praying and, and all of a sudden like people started getting the gift of tongues. Or sometimes people would fall down and we're all like, whoa, this is weird. And we're like, what is going on? And one of our friends, she goes, well, I guess, I guess God's really big and we're just people. I was like, that makes so much sense. <laughs> of course I like might fall down sometimes when God is like putting a little bit of pressure, you know? <laughs> He's big and strong and I'm just me. So here we are, right? So sometimes there's some weird things that happen, um, you know, and, and, you know, we'll go through the Bible. There, there's like tongues, you know, everyone's like, oh gosh, please don't talk about that. We're not talking about it until next week, don't worry. So you're safe. <laughs> you know, weird stuff happens. People, you know, whatever, whatever. You have these encounters with the Holy Spirit and even that word, we start saying that in church, we want encounters with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the people who, who lean towards the like, charismatic side are like, yes, encounter. And the people who maybe don't lean towards the charismatic side are like, oh, boy, they're bringing out the snakes. Here we go. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, can we just level the playing field, right? Like, I'm not saying anything you haven't thought, right, or that we haven't thought together. So let's just be honest. And so we're about to read a weird part of the Bible, and, and that's okay, uh, because last thing on this weird thing is I, I just find myself encouraged that God puts weird things in the Bible, because we're reading about a guy named Ezekiel. He was a prophet that God had raised up a long time ago to speak to his people. So this guy was the mouthpiece of God um, to, to his people to get the message of God across to folks. So if you read through the prophets, the, pro the prophetic books in the Bible, you'll generally find a lot of weird stuff. And uh, that not just was God doing weird things, but the people he used were really weird. <laughs> and he made them do weird things. Like Ezekiel was a weird guy. Like he did some really funky stuff. And that's good because we're all weird. And so God can use you too, <laughs> right? So like let's not judge Ezekiel or weird things without being like, you know what? I think we're all a little weird. Can Is your neighbor weird? Do you know that the neighbors, yeah, you're a little weird. I remember, like I was telling you, that the first kind of big encounter I had with the Holy Spirit as, we were, as I was getting to know him, and it was, it was different for me. I'd never seen stuff like this before, but all of a sudden, I was one of those guys. I, like, fell down, and I, I started praying in tongues, and I like felt a lot of things, and that was wild, and kind of went through this season of walking with God where it was like, you know, at risk of you thinking, like, I was that guy, like, I was that guy. 
for sure. Like anytime somebody just mentioned the thought of praying, I was like, ah, like making noises and on the ground. I'm like, what is going on? I didn't want to necessarily. It's just that's what God was doing. And it was weird, and I lost some friends over it and all that kind of stuff, but it's all good. And I started, so I started encountering the Holy Spirit, and he was different, and it was new, and, and he was doing things that were unfamiliar to me. But over the years, the encounters have changed. You know, the encounter, like, it doesn't always look like it always used to look. Or sometimes God does different things at different times, and that's just for me personally. I know that's true for so many people. And so... What the danger is when we talk about the spirit of Jesus and being people filled with the Holy Spirit and we want to encounter the Holy Spirit is we build these really small boxes of definition for what that means and what that looks like. Like if we say encounter the Holy Spirit, some people think it has to mean you respond physically in X, Y, Z sort of way. And if not, like you didn't get an encounter or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But like, it's changed over the years. And so what I want to talk about this morning, I want to talk about being a people who encounter the Holy Spirit. But, and I want to talk about what to expect when God encounters us, when the Holy Spirit touches our lives. What do those encounters result in? But not in the sense of like, hey, here's your checklist of like, here's what it's going to look like. You know, sometimes, you know, you're going to feel this, or you're going to hear that, or this is going to happen. Like, I want to get past the small boxes we've built around what it looks like for God to touch our human lives. And I want to kind of get more into, look past that and look more into the framework of what's the result of an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Because it doesn't really matter what it looks like. We're going after the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's what I want to talk about this morning, is what happens when the Holy Spirit encounters us. Because what I learned was that along the way as I was getting to know the Holy Spirit and different things were happening at different times as, as a season changed where like the, the like super quote unquote weird stuff stopped happening, it was kind of like I had to wrestle my own self. Like, oh, am I like, am I, have I moved on? Am I like not sensitive to God anymore? All these sorts of things. But I, what I feel like I've learned over the years is that the encounter, what the encounter looks like doesn't matter, but the results are what matters. What God's doing is what matters. Where he's taking you through that encounter is what matters. Doesn't matter if it looked like what everybody else had or what something, this blah, 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 you heard a story about it. That's great. Those things are awesome. But let's go after why. What's he doing inside of us? And I believe that in Ezekiel 37 in this weird passage, it talks about this through this weird guy, Ezekiel. He's, he's relaying this weird prophetic vision that God gives him. But I feel like God wants to help us make some sense about who he is and what he's doing in our lives. Ezekiel 37, we're gonna read a few verses and then we are gonna go from there. Let's see if I hit everything I was supposed to hit. I think so, whatever, we'll dump in. Ezekiel 37, verse number one. This is a prophetic vision that Ezekiel says that he has from the Lord. So he starts off, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and he set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. I want to stop and pause here real quick and give you just a side note Bible study tip help. Anybody interested in one of those? Something I learned and I just was, was highlighted to me again this week is that like when you're reading the Bible, the main character is never the character that you're reading about. The main character is always God. 
And so you're always reading the Bible through, okay, God, where are you? What are you doing? What are you saying? And that may or may not have significant ramifications on the way you interpret your own life. <laughs> life study tip, too. You're never the main character. And this is encouraging because Ezekiel, it says the, the hand of God was on me. He was leading me, and he took me to a valley of bones. And sometimes you find yourself there with God, and you find yourself in these circumstances where you're like, okay, if God's good, why am I here? Your story is always in the perfect spot for God's story. That's what's always the bigger picture. And so Ezekiel, I love what he does here. He finds himself in a valley of dry bones, but he doesn't discount it as not from God just because it's not comfortable for him. So let's be a people who trust the Holy Spirit to take us to some places to show us who he is, right? I accidentally got preaching there, sorry. Verse three, Ezekiel's in this dry bones. Verse three, and he said to me, God says to Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and you, and, and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I, Ezekiel, I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling of the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath. Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. I feel like it's one of those things that's like, ah, oh, that should get me excited, but I still don't get it. <laughs> like I said, you may have been in church before and, hear, and heard this story before, but God brings Ezekiel and he gives him this vision of a valley of dry bones. And he asks him this question, can these bones live? And I love Ezekiel's response. He, he had been in church before. I think he learned when God asks a question like that, God knows the answer. So he says, oh God, I don't know, but you do. Like you tell me, like I, I, I know how this goes. And so God says, okay, I want you to look at these bones. I want you to speak to them and I'm going to bring them to life. And so Ezekiel says, okay, I'm going to speak. I'm going to speak over these bones. And when he speaks, what God said would happen, happens. And God takes this valley of dry bones that he led Ezekiel to, and he raises up an exceedingly great army out of this dry bones. And I think that this is, this is the encounter with the Holy Spirit. This is the message of salvation. This is what it looks like to be a people who walk with the Holy Spirit. Because I want you to know that when God saw you as a valley of dry bones... He didn't ask anybody else's opinion on if he, they thought there was potential in you. He didn't come to your, your ex, your parents, the person who was there for you, who wasn't there for you, and say, can I do something with this person? He didn't ask them. And even if he did, he didn't care about their answer anyways. Because he knows. When he looks at you, he knows what he can do with you. And so he says to Ezekiel, prophesy. And the prophets and the voice of the prophets of the Old Testament, they represent the Holy Spirit. 
They represent the voice of God to the people of God to bring them back to God. And so this is an encounter that God says because the, the dry bones in the valley, God tells them a few verses later, he says, Ezekiel, this is the people of Israel. This is my people. They're far from me. They don't know me. They're dead on the inside. And the people of Israel represent us. And God, when he looks at us, when, we, when we're far from him, he looks and he sees, even when we're as dry bones, he says, just like he says to Ezekiel, he says, speak over them. Speak over them. And it reminds me of Genesis chapter one, verse one, when it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he says that there was chaos and there was a massive void, but it said, but the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then God speaks and he brings life. See, this message of the gospel, it's, it's start to finish. God's, in, God's on every page, and you're on every page. An encounter with God is on every page, and this is what a Holy Spirit encounter does. When he speaks, he's speaking to a valley of dry bones. He's speaking to the dry, dead places inside of you, and he wants to raise up an army. And I want to be a church full of the Holy Spirit so that God can use us as an army for who he is and what he wants to do in the earth. I want to talk about encounters with the Holy Spirit this morning. Is anybody interested? <laughs> so what does the Holy Spirit do when he encounters you? Because I see in this vision, I see a bit of a process that God takes these dry bones through, and I think that it's applicable for every single one of us as individuals and as a people, the process of the result of an encounter with the Holy Spirit. The first element that I see in this story of an encounter with the Holy Spirit is conviction. Conviction. You've probably heard before that uh, the Holy Spirit convicts us. But like we talked about a couple weeks ago, there's also, in Romans chapter 8, it says there's no condemnation for us who are in Christ. But then Jesus tells us, tells us that the Holy Spirit is going to convict us. And we ask a lot, what's the difference between conviction and condemnation? What's the difference? Because they sound really similar. So let's see what happens here in this first bit of conviction, I love in verse 7, it says this, Ezekiel said, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound. Does that sound like Acts 2 to anybody else? Reminds me of the Holy Spirit. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. As I was looking at that, I thought, you know, if you, if you just glaze past that, it's like, yeah, the, the bones are starting to rattle. But then I started to think, that's an awful lot what conviction can feel like sometimes. And this is what the Holy Spirit will do sometimes when he's encountering you. He's, he, he'll show up and, and he'll get your attention with something. There's a sound. He'll grab your attention and then he'll start rattling your bones. And that's not comfortable. Like bones aren't meant to rub up against each other. That's why there's, there's, there's like different lubricants in our body and tendons and all of these sorts of things. Because the bones aren't supposed to just rub. That's when you get really uncomfortable. And so God says, the first thing that is going to happen when I speak over you is that I'm going to rattle your bones a little bit. I'm going to rattle your bones. I was talking with a friend just this last week, and he was, I was, I was kind of sharing this with him, and he said, he said, yeah, I remember, I remember I used to do all kinds of different things, and then I started to kind of follow God and say he could have my life, and I would start to do the same things I used to do, but the next morning it never felt the same. So I remember, you know, have you ever had your bones rattled by God? You're laying in bed the next morning, and it used to be no big deal, but now you can't even handle it yourself. How could I do that? I can't believe I did it again, right? I don't know if maybe God's rattled your bones. I don't know if maybe God has rattled your bones. He's taken something out of your life. Maybe there was a relationship that it was so good and you were so comfortable, but he took it away and it rattled your bones. 
Sometimes God's got to step in and he'll speak something. He'll make you uncomfortable by rattling your bones. But the Holy Spirit's our comforter. What's this conviction and comfort and rattling my bones and all these sorts of things? And I think it would do us all good to know that sometimes the process of the Holy Spirit comforting us goes through discomfort. Sometimes he's got to take us through something uncomfortable so that he can actually get us to comfort. Because he is our helper and he is our comforter. But sometimes his help hurts a little bit. Sometimes his conviction, in his conviction, he is always comforting you but it might not be comfortable. Sometimes we need a little bit more of a long-term perspective on the comfort and the help of the Holy Spirit. Anybody ever fractured a bone in here before? Anybody have a big, big bone break? That's, okay, a handful of people. If you fracture a bone, one of the first things that has to happen is you gotta go to the hospital and some doctor's gotta, gotta get his hands all over you and set that thing back into place because it snapped and now is not in the right spot. And his number one, his first step in caring for you is to set it back into place. It's not comfortable, and it's not what you want, because when something hurts that bad, what do you say? Don't touch me. Get your hands off of me. But if you want to heal, you've got to let him hurt you. You've got to let him get his hands in there and set that bone back into place. You don't want anybody to touch you, but if you snap your leg and you want to walk again, sympathy's not going to get you walking again. Somebody listening to you talk about how bad it hurts isn't going to get you walking again. You need somebody to set you straight if you want to walk again. Sometimes he takes something out. He's setting you straight, and he's setting straight a bone that you didn't even know was broken. Like I said, some relationships... Has God ever taken one away and it hurts so bad only to look back and you say, praise the living God for that one. He was setting it straight. There's some habits that are comfortable now that need to get set straight if you want to walk as the man of God or the woman of God you're made to be. There's some feelings, there's some opinions, some beliefs, some preferences, some mindsets that might be comfortable They might be accepted socially. They might be encouraged. They might be popular, but they're broken but they're broken and we need the Holy Spirit, our comforter to reach in and convict us and set us straight through discomfort. Because when he sets us straight with discomfort, he's setting us straight so that he can heal us. So what's the difference between condemnation and conviction? Condemnation versus conviction. See, the devil points out The devil points out you're broken to disqualify you. He points out your broken bones to disqualify you, but the Holy Spirit sets your broken bones to heal you. This is the difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is when the devil comes in and says, see, your bone's broken. You're done. You'll never walk again. When the Holy Spirit comes in and says, let me touch you and heal you and bring you to a place where you can walk again, let me set it straight. You're not disqualified because you're broken. Just let me set you straight. I'm comforted that the Holy Spirit will highlight things in my life that are hurting me so that I can turn away from them. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is the mercy of God on our life. It's the mercy of God on our life, and it's uncomfortable because sometimes he's letting you feel the cost of what's keeping you from him. But like I said a few weeks ago, the the difference between condemnation and conviction is the presence of hope. When he convicts you, he's always given you a way to walk again. 
So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. Verse 8, he says this, and I looked, and, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. So, so what God has said he was going to do be, begins to happen. And, and what I see here in verse 8, we, we've seen conviction. And now I believe what we're seeing happen in verse 8 is what happens in repentance. An encounter with the Holy Spirit brings you to repentance. Repentance is this word that can sometimes be so scary. But I want to tell you this morning, repentance is not when God rejects you. It's, God, it's when God restores you. This is who God is. When God leads you to repentance, it's not because he's made the choice to reject you. It's because he's beginning the process of restoring you. We can love repentance. And we see a picture of what happens in repentance here in verse 8. When we respond to the conviction, when he begins to rattle our bones, he doesn't just rattle them. He's ordering them. Because he spoke to a valley of dry bones. They're just bones everywhere. How can God bring skin to a bunch of bones that aren't in the right place? So conviction, he begins to set things straight, put things where they ought to be, and then in repentance, he starts to strengthen what he has straightened. The sinews start to come around. Now that those bones are in the right spot, he can start to bind them together like they were always meant to be. It says there was sinew started to come around them, ligaments. All of a sudden, this body starts to form out of what was a valley of dry bones. He's repenting. When you repent, he begins to put the ligaments together and wrap up with muscle. And like I said, he begins to strengthen what he has straightened. So first, the Holy Spirit convicts you. And he's not just shaking you. He's trying to set you. And he's convicting you because he's leading you to repentance. And that word repent, it means to turn around. Means to turn around. So he, he's convicting you, which is great. It's the mercy of God because there's a cliff over there and I'm walking towards it. And he's like, hey, you're walking towards a cliff. And it's like, okay, I don't want to do that. Thanks for saving me there. But now he gives you the power to turn around and head back into the life that he made you for. And so we need to respond and let the Holy Spirit come and, and encounter us with conviction so that we don't go off the cliff, but then let's repent and turn away from the cliff. And as we turn away in repentance, we begin to be strengthened. Because when you repent, you begin the process of restoration. We see the process of the sinew coming, the skin coming, the muscles coming around these bones. Now that bones have been set in place, repentance isn't just the choice to stop, it's the choice to change directions. And this is difficult because repentance can be, uh, it's a process that you're involved in. It's a process that you're involved in and sometimes this is hard because we're like, okay God, like, uh, just, just like make me not do it again. You know, like make me, like take away my desire for all of those things. And you're like, you don't really want God to take away your desire for stuff. You know, it's like, oh, I can't, like, I can't live sexually pure. God, take away my sexual desires. And it's like, no, that's not what you want, actually. Like, let's, let's, let's repent from being out of control, but then let we start, we live out our repentance by walking in the way that he is lined out for us. So you've got to choose to keep walking in the way that God leads you. You're gonna have to live out your repentance because God isn't gonna delete that phone number for you, Right? God's not going to make that decision to be generous instead of greedy for you. He's not going to shut your mouth for you. He's not going to hold your tongue for you. He's not going to magically make you go to bed instead of watching that movie or getting on the computer like, Lord, just poof me into bed and make me make good decisions. Like He has set you straight, and now each decision that you make, living out your repentance, is you partnering with him to strengthen the things that he is straightening out in you.
Every decision that you make in line with God, it's strengthening a ligament. It's putting some sinew around those bones. Every time you choose and you make a choice to stay in line with where God is leading you, where the Holy Spirit's leading you, it's strengthening the muscle around that bone that he straightened. You are, we talk about, maybe if you've heard this concept of strengthening yourself in the Lord. You gotta strengthen yourself in the Lord. If you wanna build up your strength, begin to walk in obedience towards what God has said and it strengthens the muscles around the things that he has straightened. Because he's not just setting you straight for you. That thing that he is straightening out, he wants to put muscle around it so you can carry somebody else who needs the same thing. Every time you respond with repentance, you are strengthening yourself in the Lord. This is why I want myself and for us to be people who love repentance. Because every time that God highlights something in me to turn from, every time he highlights it, his, his, his way out is like, hey, if you'll just turn around, then we can start walking the other way. Like, that's, it's that easy, right? Like, you don't, have to, you don't have to pay for it. I'm just telling you it's, it's costing you, and so I paid for it, and so let's step into it, right? So it's like every time that I walk in repentance, I'm strengthening myself. God is leading you to repentance for your good, for your freedom, and for your strength. This is so awesome. And I love that it says there's sinew and there's all of these things coming around them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them. Skin had covered them. I love that it starts talking about the skin. I mean, do you have any idea how big of a deal your skin is for the sake of your body? It, it, it keeps you all in one place so you're not going a thousand different directions all the time, right? Like it holds you together. It, it protects you from infection. It's a first line of defense. It provides the boundaries for you to live as a human being. And as you begin to repent and embrace the boundaries of the Holy Spirit, he's putting skin around your calling. He's putting skin on the man of God he's called you to be. He's putting skin on the woman of God that he's called you to be. The boundaries of the Holy Spirit are we're gonna keep you in the life that he's called you to. We gotta stop looking at boundaries like they're this huge thing where God's taking away all of our fun. He's trying to lead you into the life that he's called you to. The boundaries of the Lord aren't shackles to keep you bound. They are like skin to keep you healthy. This is why God has put boundaries in us and this is why the Holy Spirit is keeping you accountable with conviction and repentance because he wants you to walk as the one he's called you to be. When he leads you to repentance, he's covering you, he's protecting you, and he's equipping you to walk in the life that he's called you to be. Verse eight again, and I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. So then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. I love this part. God has made bodies out of these bones, but there's still no breath. And so he says, I wanna put my breath in their bodies. And I love this because the first two, God's been straightening out a lot of your behavior, right? He's been, he's been adjusting some decisions and maybe some lifestyle things. or so. He's been, he's been making some adjustments, but God didn't just want to restore you to make you a robot of good behavior. He wants to fill you with his breath so you can be in relationship. He didn't just raise up robots out of bones. He wants to raise up people out of bones. And he wants to fill you with the spirit of adoption by which you cry, Abba, Father. He wants to take a valley of dry bones and raise up children of God. God is after so much more than your good behavior. 
Like, your good behavior is a tool for you to leverage so you can know God better. It's not the number one thing he's after. It's the opportunity. It's a tool he's given you to walk in who he's called you to be. He doesn't just want you to be this lifeless body of robotic, religious, right and wrong, good behavior. He wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Conviction and repentance, it leads us to being filled. It leads us to being filled with God. He's restoring you so he can fill you. I love this. He says, after he breathes on them, they stand up. He says, where is it here? We go to verse 10. The breath came into them and they lived and they stood on their feet. God wants you to live. He wants you to live. He wants to breathe in you and live. The conviction and the repentance, it's creating you to be a vessel for his breath. He wants to breathe in you and fill you, bring life where there's been death, order where there's been chaos, restoration where things have been broken. You need to be filled so that you can live. And it says, and he stood on their feet. This valley of dry bones is now standing where they used to be fallen. He's making you stand where he has put you. He wants you to stand where he has called you. He wants you to stand where there was death. He wants you to stand in the valley that he's raising you up out of. Don't just come to church and try to be a better person. Spend time with Jesus. Like, I don't want us to be a people that are like a bunch of great ships stuck in the harbor. Let's lift up our sails and catch the breath of God. Let's go out into the seas where he's called us to. Let's not just be in church, be in the harbor, but let's spend time with Jesus, raise our sails and let him breathe and take us with the wind of the Holy Spirit. Let's let's respond to the things that he's leading to and, and ride his breath, ride his word. Let's pay attention to him, not just attend our meetings. Let's pay attention to him at our meetings. Let's ask him for wisdom as a parent. Pay attention to him in your business meetings. Just raise up the sails as you're in your commute. Just ask, turn your attention towards the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, would you breathe in this moment? Fill me with the Holy Spirit. He's filling you. He's not just building you. And last part of this encounter is not, he doesn't just want to fill you. It's because he wants to use you. He wants to take what's been useless, what's been broken, what's been dried up and dead and use it for his glory. Verse 10, why did he do all of this? What happened as the result? An exceedingly great army. When you will let the Holy Spirit encounter your life, when you will open yourself up to an encounter with the Holy Spirit, he will shake you. But he's not just shaking you, he's shaping you. And when he shapes you, he's shaping you so he can fill you. And he's filling you so he can use you. Let the Holy Spirit into your dry bones. Let the Holy Spirit into the valleys that you want to keep to yourself. Let him into the valleys that you think he could never touch. Let the Holy Spirit into your dry bones and see what God can do with you. He wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit because you, touch your neighbor and say, yes, you. Yes, you, like you, 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 and you, and you, and you. God wants to use you. God wants to use you to take ground for the kingdom of God. He wants to use you as an ambassador for the glory of God. He wants to use you to demonstrate who he is to the world around you. God wants to use you. He wants to use you and what he's doing in you. It's about you, but it's not all about you. 
God wants to use you to advance his kingdom. He wants to use you to break addictions in your family line. He wants you to end cycles of offense and revenge. He wants to use you to break strongholds of bitterness in your heart and in people's hearts around you. He wants to use you to heal the sick. He wants to use you to heal the, to seek the lost. He wants to use you to bring salvation to the people around you. The spirit of the Lord is upon you because he has anointed you to bring good news to those who are bound, to proclaim liberty for the captive from their sin to restore sight to the blind to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor to comfort those who mourn to give gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit encounters with the Holy Spirit take us and create us to be who God has made us to be he wants to lead you into the life that you are begging for if you'll let him shake you if you'll let him shape you if you'll let him fill you he's going to use you And up in verses 5 and 6 as we close, I want to tell you why God's doing all of this. Why does the Holy Spirit encounter us? In verses 5 and 6, when God's laying the framework to Ezekiel, saying, this is what I'm going to want you to prophesy. This is what I'm going to do. He says this in verse 5. He says, thus says the Lord to these bones. Behold, I'm going to cause breath to enter you, and you will live, and I will lay sinews upon you. I'll cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin, and I'll put breath in you, and you shall live. Why? So you shall know that I am the Lord. You will know that I am the Lord. What is an encounter with the Holy Spirit? It's when God shows you a little more of who he is. We don't need to focus on specific experiences or using super spiritual language or feeling the right thing or sensing the right thing or or even being able to explain everything. We We don't need to be Christians who are right about everything and that we don't have to have our everything all buttoned up. We need the Spirit of Jesus because we need to know the Lord. And this is what the world needs around you. And I wonder if we could be a people full of the Holy Spirit, not so that we have great meetings, but so that the world around us could know that he is the Lord. I want you to stand up as we close this morning. We're gonna close like we always do with a little bit of worship and just a few minutes to respond together because the Bible says that it's, it's great to hear the word of God but it's a blessing to do the word of God and we want to be a people who respond right and so I want us to do that it's, it's very simple nothing has to happen or whatever but something's going to happen in you if you will open up a valley if you will open up your life the Holy Spirit will come in. God wants to speak over you this morning. And wherever you're coming from, wherever you are this morning, I want you to know that God wants to speak over you. And when he does, he might shake you a little bit. He might shape you a little bit. Some things might actually have to change, but it's all because he's putting you in the perfect spot to fill you. And he wants to fill you because he wants to use you. You. Where you are what you're doing, the people around you, you. God wants to use you. So what does it look like to walk as a people who have encounters with the Holy Spirit? I guess all that makes us qualified is having some dry bones. There's nothing else. There's nothing else. And so I just wanna close our time together asking you, will you open up your life to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Will you invite the Holy Spirit to encounter you?
Will you trust him enough to come in? And even when he sets you straight, even when he does all these things, even when it's uncomfortable, will you trust that he's comforting you? Even when it hurts, will you trust that he's helping you? And once he's done it, will you trust him enough to say yes to how he wants to use you? So I'm just gonna invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak over us this morning. He may highlight an area of conviction for you. He may convict you and start rubbing some of those bones together. And I pray he does it so hard that you can't not respond because he's trying to set you free. It's costing you your life anyway, so let's stop it now, amen? I'm gonna pray that he rubs our bones together. He may may lead you to repentance. He may lead you to something that you need to turn away from and start heading back in the right direction. He may just breathe in you and fill you where you've been empty. He may put courage where there's been discouragement. I don't know what he's gonna do, And he may just show you somebody. He may show you a place. He may show you a face of somebody that he wants to use you. He wants to use you that they may know that he is the Lord. We're gonna have a few people off to the side like we normally do to pray, be available to pray. If God's leading you in in, in any one of these things, I just really encourage you, don't leave without having somebody pray with you, whether it's one of those folks or the person you came with. Let's invite God. Let's respond to who he is. You may need to talk to somebody that you're with. You may need to come up to the front. I don't care. Let's just let the Holy Spirit come into our life. And if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, you know that you have, you are just a valley of dry bones. God wants to bring you to life this morning. He wants to bring you to life right now. And I want to encourage you, stop trying to put all your own bones back together. Let the Holy Spirit touch you and fill you this morning. Talk with the person who came with you or come off to the side and talk with somebody. We'd love to help you know how you can know Jesus and be born again, be a whole new person instead of a valley of dry bones. Can we open up our hearts? Holy Spirit, we love you. And we invite you into our lives and into our valleys, into the things that we think we've got together, the things we know we don't have together, whatever, God. We're just, we're blank canvases this morning. And we do invite you, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Speak over us. Breathe into our lives, God. And God, I just, I, I just, on behalf of all of us and even myself, God, I give you permission to use some extra pressure right now. Get me where you, where I need to be, Lord. Move me, Lord. Push, push extra hard so I can't stop. I can't push back. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Set us free, God. Lead us into who you're making us to be. Come, Holy Spirit.